0: What happens when a believer in Jesus doesn't produce any fruit? How can we make sure that we are producing fruit? And for those believers who are producing fruit, how can they produce even more? I want to know.
1: I want to welcome each and every one of you to this episode of The Doctrine of Christ with myself and Brother Jimmy Cooper, and we are especially thankful that you're joining us for this broadcast, because whether you know it or not, the doctrine of Christ is the most important thing in your life, and in that we rejoice for the great opportunity to bring forth the Word of the Lord, and we're going to have our study on the vine and the branches and our text is in the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John and we'll read the first six verses. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And they are burned. In the 15th chapter of John here, we have a type of the doctrine of Christ that he used so often. The parable and the parables are distinctly called the doctrine of Christ in uh, the gospel of Mark chapter four and verse two. And he taught them many things in parables and said unto them in his doctrine. The parables are explicitly said to be the doctrine of Christ. It's one of the favorite teaching methods of Christ. And if you think about it, in John chapter one and verse three, it says all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And Jesus is the word and Jesus is the creator. So how fitting is it that he would take the creation he created and use that as an example of the word he gives. It's an amazing thing. And he did this many times, as most of us know. And in these parables, he did it in such a way that it's something we all can relate to. And it's something that is so plain and simple and straightforward that you got to try to miss it. You got to try to miss it. A lot of people are trying to miss it, but, um, it reminds me of, um, something Charles Spurgeon said, and there was someone wrote him a letter and asked him a question on what a certain passage of scripture meant. And Charles Spurgeon wrote back. And he says, this passage means just what it says. Yours truly, Charles Spurgeon. And that's the best way to understand this. It means just what it says. Now, the problem we have when we just take the Bible and believe what it says, we have a church world out there. And that's a pretty appropriate term that's telling us something totally different. And we feel almost apologetic for believing what the Bible says, but we don't have to be. And if we want truth, that's the way we're going to get it. Yours truly, Dave. So yeah. <laughs> here we go. And in John chapter 15 and verse 1, our text begins talking about the vine. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Now, this meant something to these Jewish boys because all throughout, The Old Testament scriptures, we have references to Israel as the vine, and it's a reference to Israel as the vine that has gone wrong. In the prophet Hosea, chapter 10 and verse 1, Israel is an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. And in this text, Jesus says, unless you abide in me, you can't have any fruit. And Israel— before the cross was not abiding, and it says they were bringing forth fruit unto themselves. And this is the way so many people are today. Everything they do in the realm of their so-called service of God is something that's benefiting them. It's self-serving instead of self-giving. They're bearing fruit unto themselves, you know. And in the prophet Isaiah, Chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, Isaiah spoke of it also. There's many texts we could bring to bear, but we'll just read a couple to get the impact of what Jesus was saying on his followers. Uh, It says, Now I will sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved, touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine." and build a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein and he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes and we are in the position of Israel of old that if we do not approach this properly we will bring forth fruit unto ourselves we'll bring forth wild fruit strange fire things that look Or could pass for Christianity, but indeed are not. Now, in the text in John 15 and in verse 2, there's one of these uh, statements we're going to take just for what it means. We don't need to interpret Jesus. We just need to believe him. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. No fruit, you're gone. That's what that means. No fruit, you're gone. You know, this is another thing we did the teaching last week on unforgiveness. Don't want to forgive, you're out. You're out of the kingdom. No fruit, you're gone. You know, this
0: is. Uh, yeah, forgiveness a, is a forgiveness is a fruit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Wow. And uh, and this is a very serious statement, isn't it? No fruit, you're gone and uh very straightforward now and also that which we've already stated in John 154 abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye except ye abide in me so we're talking about something that is relationship totally through relationship with Jesus and nothing that we do outside of that can produce what we're talking about this can only be produced by abiding in the vine. No other way. No other way. And we're going to have a little help from a fella that I don't think we've ever had on the doctrine of Christ yet. This fella is another one of my i got a lot of favorites. Uh, i got a lot of counselors I like. This gentleman is G.A. McCullough. Yeah, I don't, Good I don't think I've heard
0: that name yet.
1: Most people have it. Uh, He is not a name that is on the lips of many, but I have a book here. Uh, I have, Oh, I don't know, six or eight books in my library. I became really like him. And uh, this book was written in 1904, a little book called the vine and the branches. And we're going to have a little help from brother McCullough and something he said here just really tickled me on page 12. He said, through ignorance, Of this fact of the divine life, men have sought to manufacture Christians to order in many ways. Now, I called this, I thought, man, this is robo-Christian, you know, robo. They're trying to manufacture them, and they are. You know, there are churches full of people that don't have a relationship, and I don't say that joyfully. Right. We say that so we can help people understand that they can have that relationship. Right. But they're Robo Christians. Everything that is produced in their life is a result from church attendance or activities they're doing or and a lot of the things they're doing could be good things. but those good things aren't going to produce what we're talking about, Only abiding. So they're Robo Christians, you know? Mm. they're being manufactured by a religious system that they're attending. He goes on to say, a church may be so devoid of spiritual life that its membership role may resemble the register of a cemetery, showing who lies buried there. No matter how elegant its ritual, how beautiful its architecture, how sweet its music, or how gifted its ministry, without divine life, it is all like the beautiful monument in the cemetery. We have to have that abiding life, and it begins with being born again.
0: So if that's how he felt back in 1904 or whatever it was, it's been going on for a long time, right? Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. And there was a lot of problems back in 1904. This was the era of German liberalism when form criticism waged full attack on the King James Bible, the received text and the Masoretic text. And this is what really the it, it came out, the text, 1888, I think. And this was the era of attacking the word of God and the form criticism where things really took a serious turn mm-hmm. down. But still, at that time, there were many people that had held the line. That we're teaching the Word of God strong and faithfully today, we can't find hardly anybody that's holding the line anymore. And um, that is certainly a very sad thing. Now, we've talked about fruit before. And basically, when the text here talks about fruit, it's primarily talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, beyond that, we can talk about the fruit of our work for God, the fruit of the ministry and other things. But primarily, and it all stems from the fruit of the spirit, because without that, you're gone. No fruit, you're gone. Uh, Galatians five. Now, let's read those to refresh those in our mind here. Galatians five, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the spirit is Love joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Now, these are the fruits of the Spirit that Jesus says that we must have or we're gone. Um, This is probably the best description of the fruit of the Spirit I've ever heard here from Brother McCullough. On page 18, I like this a lot. And, and this is drawn from the analogy, just like Jesus was teaching in the parable, that, you know, we're the vine, we're the branches, parabolically. Mm-hmm. He says, love, which is the core, the very heart of the fruit. Joy is the juice. <laughs> I love that. Joy is the juice. And uh, this is the just like the sap that runs through the plant, joy yeah. is our juice. Peace is the pulp or flesh of the fruit. Long suffering is the stalk by which it hangs. Goodness or beneficence is the taste. Gentleness is the scent and faith or rather faithfulness or trustworthiness is the shape of the fruit. Meekness is the skin temperance which means the complete balanced moral nature may be the color of the fruit the fruit of the spirit is a beautiful growth combining all the qualities we do not find them separate if there is no joy the juice is gone <laughs> you know look over at your neighbor and say you got juice you know you got juice you know if we don't have juice uh we got to get juice jimmy yeah. and um we know the importance of that, and we know that text in uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. Then said he unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if we lose our joy, we lose our strength. And that's our juice. Joy's our juice, and we got to stay juiced. Or we can't um, do it. And that doesn't mean, you know, we're kind of goofy all the time. But we have that deep abiding joy no matter what the circumstances are. This is our strength. Yeah. And uh, this is what motivates us and keeps us rolling. Now, have you ever been sitting around and you kind of get a whip of something and you say, I wonder if that's a trash can? I better check the trash can. Or whatever, and you, you're kind of sniffing and you say, oh, that's my fruit. <laughs> that's my fruit. That's what stinks. <laughs> my fruit's getting rotten, you know?
0: And I think and I threw we out two be- bananas this morning, yeah. stinking up, stinking up yeah, the Yeah, we can all
1: relate to that, can't we? Yeah. And then the flies, you know, oh, the Lord of the flies go right for the fruit, you know, and you just get maggots and all kinds of oh, things man. to think about. But this happens, and I think we need to be honest. uh, What happens and what do we do when our fruit starts to stink? Now, in this text, and let's read John chapter 15, verse 2, and there are some very straightforward things here that Jesus talks about. And, you know, that's the thing about the doctrine of Christ. It's not hard to understand it's just hard for us to believe because of yeah. everything we're told. Yeah. But you see, faith is a choice. Yeah. And we either choose to believe Jesus or everything we're told. And that's about where we're at in the religious world. Cause every week we're taken down a path where believing what Jesus said takes us a different way than that, which is popular. Now,
0: well, in, ber- in, in, in some ways, that's faith, because you're believing that stuff, you know? Yeah. You're having faith in something. It's just the wrong faith.
1: And you're having faith in someone, aren't you? Yeah. You're taking the word of your pastor or your TV preacher or whatever, and you're believing him more than what your eyes can see right here in the word of God. Yeah. And that's what we're all about getting people to follow Jesus. Now, here's where the rub comes in for so many people, that if you really follow Jesus, you can't follow the guy behind the desk or the TV preacher. People have to choose to follow Jesus instead of them. Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. And uh, this is the tension that what we teach puts a lot of people in, and I'm so thankful that people are really choosing to follow Jesus, not just intellectually, but really following him. And another one of the deep truths that we teach is that to follow Jesus means to follow Jesus. Just what it means. So that's what we do now in verse two, in John chapter 15, verse two, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. No fruit, you're gone. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, this is for everybody. If you're born again, the fruit of the Spirit will be con- coming through you. But every child of God gets stinky fruit and gets the place where all of those things, and that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to rot, make our fruit rot. And we have to understand that fruit is, Is a necessity. No fruit, you're gone. But then when you have fruit, we have to go from fruit to more fruit. And in this parable, he tells us just exactly how to go from fruit to more fruit. And there's a definite process that we go through. Now, in that second verse, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he purgeth it. Now, let's take a look at that word in the Greek. Purge, and uh, this is number 2508 in the Greek, and I'll get my word study New Testament here, and we'll just look at what that word means.
0: I have so many books I need to get. Yeah,
1: and this is the word Cathario 2508. Now, this is what it means. Pure, clean, without stain, without spot, to cleanse, purify. Now, last week we were talking about in first John 1 9 and in the 51st Psalm, forgiveness and cleansing. Yeah. Very important. And that's what that word purge means. It means to cleanse. And in relation to the vine. You you prune it, you snip off dead branches or whatever. With us, we have to cleanse our fallen nature. That's how we go from fruit to more fruit. Now, this comes from the root word is, uh, let me make sure I get it right. It's 2513, and that's going to be important. Uh, the root word here means... Uh, the sacrifice of purification, and uh, we're going to look at that more. That's going to come into play here in just a little bit, the root word there, because we're going to connect this with another form of this word that's going to really help us understand how we do that, because we can't just say, you know, no fruit, you're gone. You got to go fruit to more fruit and not tell people how to do it, because we got to know how to do this, because right. this, Im- this is important. Right. This is not optional stuff here. This is basic stuff that uh, we all should know. Now, let's let's look at some things here that are very important. Now, in John chapter 15 here, let's go down to verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. Now, how many times have we come into the experience of the joy of god and then something happens and it's just gone and it's like (laughs) you know it's gone and it's just man it's just a a trial sometimes for that joy to come back yeah but now jesus said these things i have spoken unto you and that's the the purging part see Uh, we purge it so we go to fruit to more fruit we can have joy as the fruit, but now these things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now we have two kinds of joy here. We have joy and then we have full joy. And over in First John, let's look at uh, the epistle of First John. In the fourth chapter. And we'll read verse 15 and 16. And we'll see here that there's two kinds of love. 16 and 17. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Now that's love. Now in verse 17. Herein is our love made love perfect. We talked about Christian perfection and we talked about perfect love, John Wesley's concept. Now here we've got love and we've got perfect love. We've got joy. We got full joy. We got love. Then we got perfect love. Now let's look at this. We can do it with all of the fruits. And in Romans chapter five and verse one, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And then in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. We got joy. We got full joy. We got love. Got perfect love. We got peace. Then we got perfect peace. The scriptures are telling us that there is a higher life that Christians can experience. There is a higher life, but we must seek God for it. Yeah. And the way to that higher life is through purging. The only way for the fruit to be there is through abiding. And the only way to go from fruit to more fruit in all of the areas to that realm where joy is just overflowing and love is a constant motivator. There is a higher life. There is victory in Christ and there is a higher life, but we have to seek God for it and we can, and we have to know uh, how to seek God in a in a proper way. Now let let's look at one more. And oh, this is a good one. Uh, of course, they're all. Of course, good. you
0: say that about all of them. Don't I though? I, I wanted to say it for once because you say oh, it. We're we'll saying about the
1: scripture, <laughs> Jimmy. This this coming up, man, it's great. And boy, it is. Um, in Colossians chapter one, verse eleven. Listen to this: Strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power, unto patience and long suffering. With joyfulness. Now, long suffering is a good thing. But when you can have long suffering with joyfulness, then you've got more fruit. And this is what we want to share with people this evening, that there is a higher life. And we want to look exactly how to get there. And we're going to do so very clearly and very directly. Now, something else here that Brother McCullough said, and I oh, this is this is worth the price of admission right here. I'll just read a few things he says here. He says, There seems to be a great effort to get men saved and receive them into the church and then leave them there. The church is full of people who ought to be told that they have only begun when converted and that regeneration will never satisfy the longings of the soul. For it is not the standard of Christian life any more than babyhood is the standard of citizenship.
0: That makes so much sense.
1: Get this. Uh, this is, I just want to write this up on my wall. He says, The result of making regeneration an escape from hell the chief motive of religion has produced a church of weaklings. The guy nailed it, didn't he? Yeah. The guy nailed it. And if we want to ever be, uh, more than a church of weaklings, it's, it doesn't, now I like good music. I like to worship, but you know, you can have a lot of noise, a lot of worship. You can run holler shout, but, the only way to that higher life is through purging to go from fruit to more fruit. No other way is it going to happen. No other way.
0: Well, in the, in the days we're living in, too, this is so important and so timely. Yeah. We need to be strong. Yeah. We need this higher life. Yeah. For what we're we, all about to face, I think.
1: Yeah. And we, we can't stop... Was saying oh you're born again oh good I, oh that's good and it is good but we cannot go along with the idea that salvation is just that escape for, and it is the escape from hell but you got your get out of hell free card and you're good to go we cannot do that because Jesus didn't do that he insisted that on the focus upon fruit and more fruit. And he said some very strong things. No fruit, you're gone. And in verse six, uh, let's read verse six again, because, you know, very straightforward statements. And this is one of the reasons why modern Bible teachers struggle with this, because they can't just take it at face value and relate it to what they're doing. Yeah. Because they're not doing this. right? So uh, they can't just believe what he says here. But in verse 6, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them in the fire and they're burned. So, you know, these are not things that are presented lightly by Jesus. And they're so clear. I mean, there's nothing intellectually beyond us here. It's very clear, very straightforward. And if, how we go through the purging, is also very clear. Now let's look at verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. We are clean through believing the word. And we are clean through believing specifically what Jesus said about the cleansing and the purging to go from fruit to more fruit. And in any aspect of life where we want to believe, um, it's through believing the word in in whatever situation. Now let's go over to John 17. And in John 17, in the high priestly prayer.
0: I love this chapter.
1: In verse 16 and 17. Oh, it's just beautiful. He said this, they are not of the world even as I am not of the world, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We are sanctified. We are set apart, made holy and cleansed through the truth of Jesus. And that's um, what what we're looking at here. Now, there's another...
0: That verse says so much. It's like, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is thy truth. Jesus is both the word and he's the truth. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, sanctify them through thy truth. I am truth. Sanctify them through me.
1: And when Jesus was on the earth, he called out 12 men. And there were many other disciples he sent out, 70. But the people that followed him, they were going a total different direction than the religious system in that nation at that time. Right. So much so that they had to kill him. They were not compatible. You know, you could not be in Judaism and Jesus both. They were on a collision course and the, the one born after the flesh will persecute the one born after the spirit, as Paul said. And today it's the same way. People that want to really believe what Jesus said, and really follow him. You're going to go totally against the American religious system. You, but that's okay.
0: So I'm going to have to get over this fear of people not liking me?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I want everybody to like me.
1: Well. But we I'm probably to.
0: not doing something right if everybody likes me right.
1: Yeah. And Jesus said, you know, beware when all men speak well of you. And, you know, Paul said, yeah. all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, will suffer persecution. Yeah. And, you know, it's the way it is. And we know multiple scriptures that tell us this, but that's okay because we know who we're following and we know who truth is. Yeah. And the only way I can really suffer persecution gladly for something is if I really know in my heart that I'm doing what's right, what's true.
0: Well, if you have all that fruit, yeah. You have that peace. You have the perfect peace. You have yeah. joy. You have perfect joy and love. Yeah.
1: We got the juice, man. Yeah, we got the juice. We got the juice. And uh when we'll you got the that juice, down. you got the juice, uh you can do it, you know. Now, let's go to the book of Acts. And here we're gonna connect up the Greek word that we spoke about earlier. Now, in Acts chapter 15, we're going to read verses 8 and 9. Now, this is referring back. In Acts chapter 10, the Holy Ghost was poured out upon Cornelius, and he spoke in tongues, and then they said, Well, what forbiddeth this man to be baptized? which is an important point, too. He spoke in tongues before he was baptized, Mm -hmm. which blows a few Pentecostals theology out of the water. But in Acts 15, verse 8 and 9, this is referring back to what happened to Cornelius. It says, and God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them purifying their hearts by faith.
0: So was Cornelius a Gentile?
1: Yes. And it's made real clear in Acts chapter 10 that what happened to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 was the same experience that the apostles experienced in Acts chapter 2. It was the baptism With the Holy Ghost. Now something Jimmy. You know there's some things that are so plain. And that are so subtle. That we don't catch them. But in all my years of investigating the subject. I just figured something out this week. That the Pentecostals have changed. Baptism. With the Holy Ghost. To baptism in the Holy Ghost. Charles Finney teached the baptism with the holy ghost with the cleansing of the heart just like scripture but now it's you see every little change is so subtle
0: what 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 is the change between those two in your opinion
1: well i think what the change is that you could listen to umpteen sermons on the baptism of the holy ghost on Christian TV, radio, what have you, you would never hear them say that the primary purpose is to cleanse your heart from inbred sin. It's gone from the baptism with the Holy Ghost, which relates directly to Luke chapter three and the cleansing of the fire of the burning away of the shaft, which is our carnal nature. And now it's about speaking in tongues. And I'm not against speaking in tongues, but I believe that because the cleansing of the heart has just virtually been totally done away with, there are, there's much false gifting out there because they're not receiving the primary thing. And this is something we just, this is another stop sign right here. And this is saying, now this is the real purpose of it. And very clearly let's read verse nine again. And put no difference between us and them, meaning between Jew and Gentile, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, this is the biblical description of what happened to Cornelius and also what happened on in Acts 2, because the scripture is clear in Acts 10 that this is the same thing that happened in Acts 2. Now, let's look at the word. Let's look at this word purify in Acts uh, 15, 9. And this is the word 2511. Now, this comes from the same root. Our other 2508 was our other word, cathario. This is But Of course, I'm not saying that right. But both of these words, and they're right together in the lexicon here. One follows the other. They're from the same root word. And this is from the same root that uh, we read earlier, kathiros, clean, pure, clear, uh, clean in the sense that something is lawful to be eaten or used. You know, a lot of people, they're not clean to be used by God because they're not submitting themselves to the um, cleansing process. They're an unclean vessel. Now, this is the word here we're looking at in uh, Acts 15, nine, 25, 11. We'll just read a little bit. It says, uh, from Catharos 25, 13 to cleanse free from filth, to cleanse or make clean from leprosy. And it, it, it means to cleanse and this cleansing. And just like in the Holy spirit baptism, when the spirit is poured out, the main focus of faith, you're clean through the word. We are clean through faith and believing the word and we're sanctified. Jesus said in John chapter 17, and we just have to believe just like we're saved by the spirit of God coming into our heart, that the spirit of God can cleanse our hearts. And we have to pray specifically for Mm -hmm. that. We talk a lot about praying, um, cleansing of iniquity, uh, and that's the same thing. Praying for cleansing of iniquity, this is praying for cleansing of our fallen nature. And somebody might say, well, I have been baptized in the Holy Ghost, and this is used so loosely that most people that would claim the Holy Ghost baptism don't know anything what we're talking about here. They've never heard it, related to it. It's right there in the scripture. This was the emphasis of Finney and G.A. McCullough and many men that followed. This was the emphasis of Wesley and those that followed after him, teaching the baptism with the Holy Ghost. But now it's the baptism in the Holy Ghost, and people aren't even hearing about this. And it's not a change for the good because when you ignore the cleansing of the heart and you just go into experience, it's real easy to see why things are going so wrong yeah. in such a huge way in, um, in the Pentecostal world. Now, Jonathan Fletcher, now this is me, I can relate to this, and um, he was talking about people, as many would, that would um, testify to having prayed for cleansing of sin, or experienced the Holy Spirit baptism, even with the understanding of the cleansing of the heart from inbred sin, and then say, well, man, I've I still got some problems. Well, hello. Uh, and this is what Brother Fletcher said, "This is good. This is another good one we can we can really take home with us." He said, "Should you ask how many baptisms or effusions of the sanctifying Spirit, are necessary to cleanse a believer from all sin and to kindle his soul into perfect love. I reply that the effect of a sanctifying truth, depending upon the ardor of the faith with which that truth is embraced and upon the power of the spirit with which it is applied, I should betray a want of modesty uh, if I brought the operations of the Holy Ghost and the energy of faith under a rule. I return uh, the answer. If one powerful baptism, of the spirit seal you unto the day of redemption and cleanse you from all moral filthiness, so much the better. If two or more are necessary, the Lord can repeat them. And I know with me, the Lord has had to repeat them. And uh, and I think that's most people. I think yeah. uh, there are some people that have claimed that that one experience was so powerful that uh, they just were put into that higher life and just seemed to stay there. Now, I know for me and I think for most people that we have to understand that it's okay to, you know, we have to wage war on that sinful nature. We have to realize that whenever we have a fruit problem, whether it's long-suffering, whatever it is, the problem is in our own heart. Yeah, That the only way to go from fruit to more fruit is to pray for our sinful nature to be cleansed. We talked about it last week, First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now that's easier for us than the last half of the verse, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've got to connect both halves of 1 John 1, 9. We have to connect Psalm 51, 1 and 2. We, we have to connect John 15, the fruit and the more fruit, with the purging, and understand that this is something that we cannot ignore, and we're going to have to seek God for if we're going to experience that higher life and ever be more than the church of weaklings, as Brother McCullough said,
0: so you're saying that when I'm driving and somebody pulls out in front of me and they're just driving real slow or this and that, and I'm getting all upset that that's a lack of fruit going on right there. The uh, might be lacking a little patience fruit. Yeah, and you know, or long suffering.
1: See, this all, this uh, does,
0: this is very. Con- Convicting, It's like I'm kind of yeah. joking about it, but it's, it's actually the truth. Yeah.
1: And, you know, we're human. Uh, we're human, and uh, we're going to get – we're going to have emotions. And anger is one of those emotions, but we can have sanctified emotions. And we don't have to blow our top, so to speak, yeah. and go into a rage and start shooting our mouth off. And uh, there are tragedies that take place in life, and sure, that's going to gut punch us. And it would be improper to have some kind of a silly uh, expression of joyfulness that would be improper. But even in those times, we can have joy that remains. That is not based on circumstances. And this is this is what we really. This is the very thing that drives each and every one of us to seek God for the cleansing of inbred sin, knowing our own shortcomings and anybody. And, and I'm talking to everybody, myself and everybody. And when we see the fruit of the spirit in any of these areas that we fail, we have to seek God for the cleansing of our fallen nature to get rid of our fruit clog. You know, the yeah. love and the joy is clogged up. We got to unclog it. And always what's clogging the flow is our own sin that's in our heart. Nothing else. Yeah. We don't need to look to anything else. That's it right there. The only way to go from fruit to more fruit is through purging. Specific prayer on the cleansing of our heart in whatever area we need And it does work. That's the only thing that does. Go at it any way you want. It won't work. This does because it's the truth of Christ. The only way from fruit to more fruit is through the cleansing of our fallen nature. Something else here that brother McCullough said I'll share this this is good too this book is just full of so many just wonderful things Um, he says every regenerate soul brings forth fruit but a great deal of it does not keep as regards love when regenerated the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts for the Holy Ghost Because we are born of God, but this love is antagonized by a certain condition of the heart. Now, all of us, when we were born again, we have that joy and love come into our heart. But then it isn't long before we see something that's antagonizing that, that You know, and well, what's going on? What's the matter? It's the center in our heart. That's what's antagonizing it. This often muzzles the convert who loves God and feels that he does not love him as he should or his neighbor as he ought. Now, this is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Whenever we see our own sinfulness, we don't want to beat ourselves up over it. We want to go through the purging process, just like when we fail. And always we have to emphasize that whenever we have to use First John 1, 9 and pray for forgiveness for something, we should always also address that which made us do that. Mm. The sin in our heart with cleansing. Yeah. And this is something that everybody That's listening to this lesson this evening. We look into our own heart and we see where we fall short in the fruit of the spirit. We ask for forgiveness and then we pray for that cleansing of the heart. And this is something, you know, the spirit baptism, the cleansing, Jesus said, you're clean through the word. It's through faith in the word. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We just believe the word, but we have to receive. We have to receive the spirit's cleansing and seek God for him to do his work. You know, a lot of times, well, you know, uh, just some kind of a superficial mouthy little prayer doesn't do it. We have to seek God. And believe God. And I'm not saying it's anything but faith. But we have to seek God. For the cleansing of the spirit in this area it's so important it's uh it's obviously from that which we've read it's supremely important yeah let's have a little story from John Bunyan John Bunyan in Pilgrim's Progress
0: yeah love that book
1: Oh I do too. He really nails this too this is good. He says, then he took me, then he took him by the hand and led him into a very large parlor that was full of dust because never swept. The which, after he had reviewed a little while, the interpreter, and that's the Holy Ghost, the interpreter called for a man to sweep. Then said, Christian, what means this? The interpreter said, the interpreter answered, this parlor is the heart of a man that was never sanctified by the sweet grace of the gospel. The dust is his original sin and inward corruptions that have defiled the whole man. We just have to let the interpreter, the Holy Ghost, get the broom out and sweep our hearts out and we can go from fruit to more fruit.
0: Thank you for watching this episode of The Doctrine of Christ. We pray that you have been both blessed and challenged by this teaching. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Hit the notification bell so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Facebook. And until next time, may the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be with you all.